You're listening to Gospel-Centered Rest, a podcast by Grace Bible Church in Cambridge, Ontario, dealing with topics of life and theology, and how Christ's promise of rest for the weary and heavy-laden gives us strength for today and hope for tomorrow. Welcome back to another episode of Gospel-Centered Rest. Today I'm joined by Pastor David Robinson. And we're already on episode 15 of this podcast. Episode 15. <laughs> uh, it's, it, I can't believe it's been already 15 episodes. Yep. It's, time has flown, but we're, we're going to continue doing it as long yeah. as we can. And, and we're thankful we were able to meet on Sunday. Uh, yeah. So, so it was, it's, we're, we're taking some small steps. So definitely a change of pace. And it, it's yep. nice to start getting back to the rhythm, being back in the church building. Seeing everyone. It's awesome it's to see. Yeah. Um, the past week, uh, your your sermon was on First Peter th- chapter three verses eight to twelve, and it talked about what it means to be a blessing to others. So Peter is writing this to a people who is suffering, and using that almost as a demotivator. You know, they can't be a blessing because of their circumstance. So I ask you the question: What does it really mean to be a blessing? Yeah, you can you can just see. Because I, I think our hearts are something, at least my heart is, is I'm going through enough and now you want me to be a blessing. You you want even more of me um, and um, I'm hurting so much. So uh, how, could I, how could I even um, think about what it is to be a blessing? And then even practically, what is it to be a blessing? So you can just see the questions begin to pile up. Like First Peter is, a, is an, an amazingly relevant um, and, and powerful book that way because it 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 gets in the nitty gritty of life, and then it brings us to places where we think, oh, I could never do that. I could yeah. never be a blessing. Um, in fact, I feel like I'm taking so much from people, um, and and I I actually feel bad about that or I feel guilty about that. So, um, and and that's where you know even how Peter writes, um, he he writes uh, just in, in very short quips just like so he says finally all of you um, be like-minded sympathetic love one another compassionate humble so he doesn't he doesn't explain he just and and that's you know for those who are suffering that's that's all that they can almost bear at that point Um, so he just says it uh, in but but there's order there's order in what he says so what does it mean to be a blessing well if we're going to be a blessing we need to be like-minded um, like-minded basically for me is you need to at least be in one another's presence. <laughs> you need to, you, you need to at least attempt to get along well. And I think like-minded, um, means at least two things. First of all, you learn to listen well, you learn to listen well. And then secondly, you create an atmosphere where you speak freely. So when, and again, we understand that slaves and masters are, are is somewhat described differently in Peter's culture than, say, in the the, the American culture. Yeah. Um, but you can you can see how there would be times where there's just no like-mindedness. Um, it would be very very difficult to to be a slave when um, the the master doesn't listen well or the slave isn't able to f- speak freely. But you can imagine, say, in a marriage, the same thing. Someone doesn't listen well. Someone's not able to speak freely. So are we like-minded? Are we, are we at least moving towards one another um, in, in the relationship? And then you have be sympathetic. And then in the middle of it all, you have love one another. And then following that, you have 
be compassionate. So like-minded sets the foundation. Sympathetic is you're moving towards one another. You're seeking to love one another, and then you're seeking to be compassionate. So sympathetic is moving toward the other person. Compassion is moving with the other person. So like-minded, sympathetic, moving towards, compassionate. Am I going to journey? Am I going to work through things with this person? And am I going to do that humbly? And so all those are characteristics that are being developed um, as we go through difficult times and as we go through difficult sufferings. Um, but that's how our character is shaped. Um, and really all of these are, are God moments. You know, when talking about difficult suffering, often people, you know, I just don't have the energy. Yeah. Or, I, I, you know, they could be in danger. They could be in, in literal prison. Yeah. Um, how do they, you know, how do they use those circumstances and yeah. still remain a blessing throughout? <laughs> yeah, I, I think Peter takes us in a totally different direction. Like if you're in prison or if you're going through uh, difficulties in marriage, like you're married to an unbeliever, as Peter points out, we would think, oh, I need to be a blessing. And I think we need to do these great things that take, take a ton of energy. Um, and Peter points us to small things that are incremental, that, that move us along little by little. And so when, when we just even think of the first one, be like-minded, um, and you're talking about a marriage, you're trying to have difficult conversations and you're not even on the same page of, I don't know if I can be like-minded with you. I don't know if I can, um, I, in fact, I don't even know if I like you very much right now. It might be, it might be that bad. Um, so, but that's a conversation a couple won't, they'll try to figure things out without going back to the very basics and say, what brings us together? Mm-hmm. What, what's our, what's, what's the common denominator? And for some, it might just be, you know, Christ, the, the work of the gospel. And that becomes how we begin to move towards, move with one another and humbly love one another. So, uh, that's what, that's what I loved about what Peter says. Peter, Peter brings us to a completely different space, mind space, um, of what we might think it's a blessing. It is not a blessing as we saw in first Peter chapter two, verse one, where we're envious or, um, you know, separating from one another, all of those things. Um, it's, it's very relational and, um, but it's also, it's, it's manageable by God's grace. We really need to experience God's blessing uh, to be a blessing. Yes. Um, And that's the second half of the passage. Yeah. That's right. So like, how does God prepare us to be a blessing? Yeah. I love, again, I was excited about this passage because um, he, he quotes the, the bulk of the passage is actually Psalm 34. So it's actually the old Testament and it's the story of David in a very difficult time. And as we spoke about Sunday morning, excuse me, David, uh, is hated by Saul. So he's, he's run out of Israel on the way out. Um, he picks up Goliath's sword, um, with Abimelech and, you know, David, I mean, he must felt so bad about this because Abimelech ends up being killed along with 85 priests, an entire town, men, women, um, children, infants, animals. I mean, just a mass annihilation because Saul's hatred is so great against David. Uh, and then he ends up, um, pretending he's insane before the king of Gath. Uh, and here, here he is with Goliath's sword, whom he killed 
from Gath, and he runs into almost an even greater enemy, as great as an enemy Saul, Saul was. Uh, he runs into a greater enemy. And, and this is what's striking is he quotes from a, a psalm that says, um, the one who wants to love life and to see good days. And it's like, that is just not where David's at. Um, and yet that's what David says. All that suffering brought him um, to an understanding of what it is to actually love life and, and see good days. And if there is a question our culture wrestles with and comes up with a completely different answer, it is, this is what it is to love life. And David ends up saying, well, it was actually through suffering that I learned so much about the blessings of God that I love life in an even greater way. And I understand what it is to see good days. Um, and the world uh, just comes up with a completely different answer. So, but, and, and then uh, Psalm 34 isn't the only Psalm. There's one other Psalm that speaks about that particular time in David's life. And that is Psalm 56. And Psalm 56 is a pretty amazing Psalm as well, because it comes up with this chorus that says, or actually, we'll just, I'll just read Psalm 56 verse nine. Then my enemies will retreat on the day when I call this. I know God is for me. And, I actually, as I've been thinking about this since Sunday, um, I actually think that's a, that's a Romans 8 moment. You know, Romans 8, where it says, there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Yeah. And then he goes through, and he includes like um, prison, uh, sword. Um, and then he talks about all spiritual forces. There is nothing. So um, David is basically saying, God is for me. And then verse 10, it says, in God whose word I praise, and in the Lord, those or whose word I praise, in God I trust, I will not be afraid. What can mere humans do to me? So one of the things is David's writing Psalm 56, it's this Romans 8 moment where he's looking around at the people of Gath because they captured him and Psalm 56 is like a prison psalm for David. Um, he's looking around and he's saying, if God is for me, then what can the people of Gath do to me? If, if God is for me, they're mere humans. And as much as they try to fight the will of God um, and, and the person of God, they cannot defeat him. So I am completely in the hands of God. And so you have this, um, this sense of God's blessing in the bigger story that when you read the New Testament, they would always read the context of the Old Testament. They would know this story. They say, hey, look at Psalm 56. This is when David was in prison and he says, God is for me. And you can imagine the encouragement that would be to, to the um, people that Peter's writing to and to us today, that that's a life-changing moment. God is for me. So I begin to look all around and say, well, what can, what can man do to me? What can humans do to me? And that's honestly a very countercultural idea. Very much. Like culture tells us, you know, you gotta be, you gotta be on the high points of life yeah. in order to be a blessing down. Yeah. It doesn't really give us this in the low moments is where, you know, yeah. God shines through yeah. and the blessings come out. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the exact opposite of how we actually think God works as well, because we experience the blessings of God when we have good health and good strength mm -hmm. and lots of money in the North American dream. And as you pointed out, Peter, David's in prison or at least captured by the people of Gath awaiting to see the King of Gath. And he says, God is for me in the, in the most 
somebody somebody may look at them and say, "Well, God's not for you because you're about to die because <laughs> you're you have Goliath's sword and you're about to meet the king of Goliath or who was the king of Goliath." And um, and David, like, how often when life is going really well, do we understand the depth that God is really for us? But when we're surrounded by by pain and suffering and still be able to say God is for us. It's um it's a Romans eight moments, it's a Job moment. Yeah. Um, so much is happening. And I think you hear that often in culture where people get to a certain point where maybe they have that financial success. And then they almost get to a realization that it's a lot emptier than they thought it yeah. was. Yeah. So that same blessing that we're saying is everything according to culture, you can really see how bare and empty it is yeah. when you know, they're saying there's nobody around them maybe that really builds into their life. But the same could be the opposite could be said for somebody who maybe has so little yeah. and they see how many people are surrounding them and being a blessing and they can really appreciate how much God actually does in their life yeah. with so little. Yeah, there there can be really almost no more encouraging statement than God is for me. Mm-hmm. And that's that's when Jesus came, he's basically saying, um, you know, God is for you. Um, Jesus has come to pay the price so that you can come to him. And that, what else would you want to say in prison? What else would you want to say when, when you're going through difficult times? And God's like blessings can be for you even amidst even in, human absolutely like the worst yeah. of human circumstances. Yeah, and we see this even in Paul's life, like Paul's like I'm beaten and all of this and yet he's he's talking about but my character is I'm going to love and I'm going to continue to show the love of Christ and I'm going to continue to preach and and all of these things. Paul like it, there's so much character building moments. So one of the major areas that we've been talking about over the past couple of weeks has been marriage. Mhm. You know, where can you find, you know, how can you be a blessing in your marriage? Yeah. How can, even when it gets tough or anything like that, how do you continue to be a blessing and show that in the marriage context? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, if we, and and as you know, on, on the other passage, the other Psalm that's used is Psalm 34. And, and I think to use the example of marriage, um, Psalm 56 can can a couple at least say god is for us like we've been hurting um we've been going through difficult times but we we need to know this before we know about one another um is god for us and that's that's where in some marriages that's that's the breakdown point um god is no longer for us uh and and so i think in marriage Psalm 56 is a good place to start having that discussion. And then Psalm 34, as we said Sunday morning, the first 10 verses are a song of deliverance. And sometimes we need a Psalm 34 in our life because we don't know how God's going to work in our life. You could think about the people that Peter's writing to. Some may be in prison, some may be suffering, and they're, they're in a Psalm 56. They're not Psalm 34 right now. Um, and some marriages are Psalm 56. They're not Psalm 34 right now um, to be able to. But we need to hear Psalm 34 because it's it's a song of deliverance. It's a song that, that celebrates what God did um, b- by his grace. So Psalm 34, 
um, we'll talk about um, or part of the praise of, of Psalm 34 uh, is, you know, I sought the Lord and he answered me and, and rescued me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Um, verse six, this poor man cried out and the Lord heard him. Uh, sometimes marriages are just so discouraged and lose all hope. And that's what I think would have been amazing about Peter telling the story of David is here are Peter's people sitting in prison and they hear that David was delivered. And in marriages, um, sometimes we just need to know that God's power is greater than the despair in marriages. And God can uh, turn the marriage around and God can um, make uh, spouses a blessing for one another. And then just finally, uh, verses 12 through 22. Um, so, so verses 1 through 10, you've heard the word of encouragement. You've heard the word of hope. But then in verses 12 through 22, David does something absolutely amazing. He says, this is what I actually learned when I'm under God's blessing. This is what I learned when he delivered me. Um, character matters. Character matters. So how do we know that we're a hopeful people? We know that we're a hopeful people. And that discouragement hasn't totally defeated the marriage relationship when we say, I still want to be a person of character. Mm -hmm. And there's three, uh, as, as we saw Sunday morning, there's uh, character means a love for truth. Um, character means a love for what is good. And character means a love for peace. If you look at a marriage that's breaking down, you will see all those three character issues broken down. There will not be a love for truth. There will not be a love for good. Like I, I am just desiring to do so much good in this person's life. Yeah, that's that's a broken down aspect of of their relationship. And I love I I love peace, like I'm pursuing peace. So, um, verse fourteen: Turn away from evil and do what is good. Seek peace and pursue it. But what we'll do in marriage counseling is our marriage care is we'll say, well, you just need to be better. You just need to do better. You just need to love one another. But we haven't given them hope. Yeah. We haven't given them the song of hope in verses 1 through 10. And we expect them to live verses 12 through 22 and just say, why aren't you guys at peace? Or why aren't you guys doing good for one another? Um, and, or we might not recognize they're in Psalm 56. Like they just, at that point, they just need to know that God is for them. That's it, period. Um, and that's a successful time spent with a with a hurting couple. So God is for you. Um, you see the deliverance. Uh, that, that God gave David and David saying, as I come out of that, I just recognize that my character counts. So a couple is given hope and you say, okay, what are ways that you can just love truth with one another? What are ways that you can do good? Like what, what is some good that you can do? Um, or what are ways that you can bring peace? And it goes back to first Peter three, maybe don't trade insult for insult. Yeah. Don't do evil for evil anymore. Pursue peace. These these verses are really tough. They are. I think, you know, we talk about suffering and we make it sound so easy. Yeah. Just, you know, you'll see the blessings in them. Yeah. But at yeah. the end of the day, it is suffering that people are going yeah. through. So That's such a good point. It is a tough moment. Like, no, it is, it is very difficult to, you know, see, you know, you're in prison, you're thrown in yeah. prison, you know, you're in physical danger. Yeah. And... The, on, the, 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 the biblical view just tells you, you know, trust in God and see the, you'll see the blessings. Yeah. Yeah. You'll find refuge in that. Yeah. I, I'm glad you ended, or we're going to end with this question because 
we don't want to come across thinking if, if you just follow this, um, life is peachy. Yeah. And, and you'll just delight to be a blessing. Yeah. Often being a blessing, unlike God, we can do it grudgingly. Um, I don't want to speak peace. I really want to let go of my anger. Uh, but, but that is the value of what God, uh, brings us through. And so just the two final comments, first of all, if there are those who listen to this and say, well, I'm, I'm actually somewhat offended because I don't think you've understood my suffering. Um, the entire book of Peter is written, understanding your suffering. Yeah. Um, David's life had a ton of suffering and understands your suffering. Um, and, and the bio and Jesus, I mean, Jesus suffered. Uh, he understands your suffering. So this is never meant to be spoken of a way in which we, we, the Bible downplays suffering, but what it does is it gives hope in a story that Peter tells of David. He was in prison. God delivered him. And in his deliverance, he learned, this is what the good life is. I love truth. I love what's good. I love peace. So do you want the good life with your spouse, even though you might be suffering? Maybe that's a place to start. Maybe it's a counterculture place to start. Never downplaying the suffering, but saying, here's a place of hope. We're going to actually start to love truth. We're going to actually start to love what is good and do good and, and to pursue one another with peace. I am not going to say anything after that. I think that was a great way to end the podcast. Uh, if you guys enjoy it, definitely give it a review. Give it five stars on iTunes. Share it to a friend. Uh, you can do that in conjunction with sending the sermon and then the podcast. They go hand in hand together. But thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, yes, thank you very much. And we'll hopefully see you next week. Thank you.